This is the Floorball Guru Podcast, episode 107. Welcome back to the Floorball Guru Podcast. Uh, today I want to talk about an interesting comment or statement that I saw on social media related to youth sports, youth development. And the comment, I don't have it with me or really in front of me at this time, but it, it boiled down to the notion that if you're a U9, U10 aged team and your players all run around in a big, we call it a hive, um, then you're doing, you're doing something right. And the, no, the, the idea behind it was that we shouldn't make training and development of youth so overly structured. And because what happens a lot of times, especially if you've done trainings and things like that, and at the younger levels, you tend to, a lot of people tend to treat them as if they are middle school, high school, college-aged players, and will basically run them through structured drills where there's a lot more standing around. Uh, it tends to be a little more boring for that age group, if you will. And so the idea of less structure, let them chase the ball, let them just kind of be engaged in, in, in the process of what's happening is a better structure at that age. And I agree to disagree. On one end, I fully agree with just let them play. Let the kids play in their games, for instance, and just let things kind of happen as they will. And if kids play out of position, they play out of position. I agree with that. I think there is a lot of value in letting kids kind of figure it out, especially at the younger ages, because when you hit that five, six, seven on up, even into like 13, you see a lot of that where there's a lot more chasing the ball. There's a lot more, I want the ball. And so you see kind of everybody just congregate all at once into one area. They just, all they see is the ball and they know I want the ball. So that's what happens. And when everybody on the field is doing that, it's just this mass of, uh, this mass just kind of moving throughout the field. You see that in just about every sport that has a ball, um, and a team sport anyways. And so I very much agree with that sentiment because I think where kids are developmentally, that's, that's where they're at. And so you can try to force it as much as you want, but the reality is more often than not, you're going to see that basic hive structure kind of come out at the younger ages. And I've seen this all the way up to you, you know, 12 years old, um, a little bit less so, but it's definitely prevalent. So while I agree with that on one hand, I disagree on the other end. And I disagree with it because I think it's important to teach kids how to play properly. What is, what is their position? How do you play their position? And how do you put them in situations to understand how to utilize all of that together to play a position-based game? 
And so I do a lot of this the conversation with kids when I'm in my instruction because in a 45 minute class, we'll spend, you know, 25 minutes doing play-based games and drills and kind of working on different, different skills. And then we spend the other part of that uh, scrimmaging. And sometimes it's a start stop where we talk about positional play and everyone just kind of hovering around the ball. And other times we just kind of let it go. But I think it's important to teach and give kids opportunities to learn and then recognize what's happening in the moment because ultimately they'll be more successful if they understand the game and what it is that we're trying to teach them and how it's applicable in situations where it's okay to you know, leave your position. Um, and when you leave your position, what happens and how does that affect, potentially affect things? And then how as a team do we try to recognize that, that, that? So I think it's important that when we're teaching sport that we do a mix of both because kids are really, kids are really smart. And I think that they want to learn how to play the game. Now they may be, you know, different places developmentally. So they may, may or may not fully understand what's happening, but it doesn't mean that they can't grasp it or try it or ultimately over time catch up to the concepts. So on the notion of, well, just let them go for it, I think that's great. But I think it's a little bit misguided if we're not following it up with how do we teach, how do we train, how do we build them so they have the knowledge and the skills and the understanding that at some point it will click. And it's sometimes just a matter of time. Some kids, you can see the kids that get it because the kids that get it are a little bit further ahead. But that doesn't mean that the kids that don't get it are already are already further behind. They just they just haven't grasped or things haven't clicked yet or a couple different different things. So when we're spending the time to talk about how do we teach floorball, how do we engage kids, how do we make this a, a, a legitimate sport, a legitimate thing. I think we really have to make sure that we're teaching how to play the game. And you don't have to add in all the rules. I mean, the rule book for the IFF and the International Floorball Federation, you know, obviously follow that. Look at that. That's the guy. That's where we want to be doing it. The problem I see with some people is that they treat it like hockey. So there's, there's stick checks, stick lifts, things like that. We just we can't be doing those things. It's not a pseudo form of, of hockey. It's its own thing. So it's important to understand some of those basic rules, but focus on the basic rules that keep it what the sport is, the spirit of the game, if you will. And then introduce other things as we go. So in my instruction, we talk about free hits. We talk about what happens if the ball goes out of play. What does that look like? What does that feel like? Because I don't always use my rink. And those the kids that have been with me, when we do get to that rink and we are able to use it, it boy, they get it. And they are, are that much more into the game. Um, and kind of understanding what it is we're actually trying to do. And, th and that's a hard concept when we can't use the tools all the time uh, to even create the field. But we do the best that we can. So 
taking the time to understand how do we teach this sport is a really crucial component because we want to set kids up for success. We want them to see the same enjoyment and passion that, you know, that I have, that, that you have, if you're listening and you play the sport and you want to see it grow and how do we, how do we do that in an effective manner? And so that's, that's kind of the key as we move forward to unlocking the potential for the, for some of these kids to really engage in the sport. And once we've got them hooked, then it's again, a continued follow-up and how do we continue to press that? And how do we continue to create opportunities to grow and learn and, and adapt and change and, and some of this other stuff. And for some people it's travel. They're going to travel to Chicago and Florida, Texas, California for different tournaments and events. Uh, for me personally, it's about creating opportunities for kids to play in their local areas and continue to develop and grow that. And I, the kids that I have love it. They, they're just, they just want to play. They don't necessarily care as much about the league play. Now, when I've set up leagues, it's, it's even, it's been like that. We, if I set up a league and when I was working on that and, and we'll need to be working to bring that back again, um, as we move for, out of COVID, we would get, you know, 12, 15 kids. Honestly, we would just form teams, and sometimes those teams changed every week. We just had kids there for a specific amount of time, and we form teams and we play, and, we, and we, we treat it just like it's a regular game. We've got a running clock, we've got scoreboards, we've got referees, we've got a general field, and, and we just go from there, and the kids love it and and they we have substitutions and they don't care who's on what team or this or that they just they just want to play and run and and have fun and so that's kind of where we continue to focus on 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 that growth as we move forward which is exciting to say the least and i'm i'm thankful that right now we're able to teach classes again we're in the fall and we're back teaching classes on our regular times in a regular location uh with new kids with older kids um, you know, it's, it's been really fun to see kids evolve and develop and grow and, and not see them for a while and then have them come back and they're, they're a totally different person. And, and that's frankly a lot of fun to see, um, some challenges to figure out, but we're working through that. So if you are interested in how to teach floorball, you're looking for more resources, please check out my website at floorballguru.com. Uh, I did publish a book a couple years ago with the guidance of how to teach and in an effective manner that's engaging for large groups, for small groups, or, you know, you're just looking for something different beyond the traditional um, instruction or even practice setting. Uh, it's the Floorball Guru Primer. You can find that on my, uh, on my store at floorballguru.store, or you can find it on Amazon. And the key that, again, we continue to focus on is how do we get more people engaged? How do we uh, get kids involved and parents involved and, and just having some fun and ultimately continue to grow that? And so if you're looking at how do I get started in my local area, please feel free to reach out to me at floorballguru or just at floorballguru. Um, again, I want to see this, this sport grow. You know, yes, I sell equipment. Yes, I do some of that stuff. I'm not asking anything of that. I just ask that, you know, if you need assistance, please reach out and we'll, we'll go from there. So the most important part of anything is keep floorballing and have a wonderful day.